Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And it's starting to get cold in episode 202 today, December 4th, 2020. We're going to catch up with each other before diving right into our topic of the day, which is Warner Brothers releases all 2021 movies on HBO Max, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, you just keep on listening. Happy weekend to you, <gasps> Sir Steve. Ah, thank you, Ross. Happy weekend to yourself. Well, thank you. Sleep. How you doing over there, huh? <laughs> uh, you, you know, I'm doing pretty good. You, uh, staying COVID-free in your, um, bio media room your bio uh health health my bio panic room yes yeah exactly (laughs) nobody touch me nobody breathe on me oh man yeah it's been getting a little real we um i can't remember if i talked about this in the last week's episode of joygasm or not but my in-laws contracted uh coronavirus and uh what did you you say i did i think you said something about that yeah i don't know about that bro no, well, I'll just go ahead. Go ahead and, uh, say it. I, I keep on going. Okay. Anyway, what I was going to say was um, uh, my in-laws had contracted the dreadful COVID-19. And uh, unfortunately, my mother-in-law actually was the one who um, got the worst of it. So she had to go to the hospital. She was in the hospital for, I think, five days. And then uh, they discharged her. Um, she is still on an oxygen tank. She has to be on oxygen 24 seven. And so they gave her two kinds. One is like this mobile version. It's like the size of like a scuba divers oxygen tank. And then they gave her one that's more dedicated for the house. That's bigger than that. And has like a 50 foot long air tube or something. So she can walk around without having to lug the big thing around too. So, uh, it looks as though they are, you know, they're stabilized. They are slowly improving, which is good. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things that uh, obviously gave the family a little bit of a scare, a little concernage. And once again, makes me uh, lock myself up in my uh, COVID panic room up here all by myself. Don't want anyone to touch me or breathe Got my me. games, Nothing. my movies to keep me safe and sane. <laughs> yeah. So... And then, of course, in Steve's situation, um, I think that's what we talked about briefly last week was how you had um, a colleague whose spouse also got coronavirus. And so we were unable to have you be present with me at the, uh, the same place. And so we, we uh, went to plan B in terms of making sure we still got you there. But we're hoping that um, in the coming weeks that we'll be able to return to, to normal in that regard. We'll have to see how that goes. Plan B is uh, you stay away from me and I'll stay away from you. Get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hard because we both like to uh, bug each other. So <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to see what we can do about that. Steve, what have you been watching and playing lately? Well, Russ, I uh, let's see. What did I put in uh, the old machine? What did I? What did I? What did I, what did I give another whirl? Let's see here. Well, the wife and I watched Inception again. Which oh. it has been a minute since I've seen it. It's probably been uh, <laughs> probably about uh, about five or six years since I've seen it. So we decided to throw it in there again. Give another whirl. 
still wonderful, still brilliant, still a wonderful. Uh, I yeah. Anybody who hasn't Christopher seen Christopher Nolan before, is the man. I gotta start. Uh, I gotta start spreading that movie around. Saying yeah, if you haven't watched it, you should definitely watch it. I um. It hasn't lost any of its uh, panache, Russ. Panache. Um, so that was absolutely wonderful. And, um, and then we decided we were looking for something free on Amazon (laughs) and we watched Days of Thunder. Oh man, that is an oldie. With, uh, Tommy Cruise. You know who else is in there? I have a small bit role, Russ, is, uh, uh, your, your boy, uh, John C. Riley. I don't remember what what character he was, but it doesn't surprise me. He f- definitely fits right in. I assume he was part of the pit crew. Yeah, he is actually part of the pit crew. Uh, and I, I was like, what? I saw his name. I'm like, well, I don't remember him at all. Of course, I haven't seen it in a long, long time. So I thought, well, I, you know, whatever. But yeah, he was uh, he was definitely part of the pit crew. He wasn't, you know, being his comedic self or anything. He was just being, you know, a good old boy. And, yeah, being, uh, being a, a younger, uh, more sprightly John C. Riley. Right. Yeah, and then so then I uh, I was asking my wife if she recognized anybody else. She's like, no. I'm like, what about that guy? He's like, no, who's that? I'm like, that is a very young Yondu <laughs> from Guardians of the Galaxy. He was uh, he played <laughs> he played Tom Cruise. I believe who you were referring to is Michael Rooker. That's him, and he played uh, Tom Cruise's first rival in the movie. Yeah, uh, so that was great. So, she recognized you know, Tom Cruise, right? It was like it wasn't yeah, like she's like, course. "Who's that?" Yeah, she's like, "Wow, he's young." And then she's like, "Look at his teeth. His teeth are different now." I'm like, "Yeah, that's probably true. That is probably <laughs> true." The miracles of plastic surgery and all kinds of uh, Hollywood magic. <laughs> yeah. So that was awesome, and uh, we're we're enjoying the sub. We're not waking the neighbors. We're not, you know. Nobody, it's uh, the house is insulated. I actually, since last we spoke, I, I turned it up pretty good. I was playing some music and I just went outside just to see if anything was filtering outside the walls that the neighbors might be not so thrilled about. And mm. it doesn't. And so I, I walk, I mean, inside it was party time. Outside, you couldn't really tell. You'd really have to be listening to, to think, oh, is that what I, it, was that what I think it is? And so we're safe. HOA is not going to come kick our door in. Thank goodness. So <laughs> that's what's going Can on. Can you imagine there. if that's and how they actually were? Yeah, like if you got something that's wrong with the house, they just have the right to kick in your door. Literally like, you're like ah, I'm naked right now. <laughs> They're like, I'm naked too. Oh, you're like, oh. Okay, well, come on. I have never uh, been in this situation before. Yeah. How do we move forward? <laughs> Jeez. So, anyhow, what I did, what I your uh, Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm trying to say something. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I played. I, I twitched uh, more Ghost of Tsushima, but with the woofer. The, uh, the, when the thunder claps, <laughs> it's like, does it make the dog freak out? It, it, it is awesome. Like it sounds so good. I mean, it sounds like you're right there. Um, and I, I hope when 
the folks at the Game Awards are playing. Well, actually, not the folks at the Game Awards. I should say all the rest of the players because those who are voting for the game. But, man, I, I really hope that that is going to get some sort of sound credit because it is it is very good. Oh. With the proper tool, of course. Uh, yeah, you got to have the proper setup there, Steve. And then I purchased, I like I said, I've been doing all year. If Final Fantasy VII comes down in cost, I would go pick it up. And I know you said before, like, we just borrow it from you. But I, I'm, I'm, and I appreciate that, Russ. But with something like this where they are remaking the game because it was so successful and a lot of folks love it and they want to replay it under today's technology, I want to support it. So I, I didn't want to borrow the game from you. I wanted to support and buy an extra unit. even though I I'm totally understand. Buying it at a discount. So uh, I threw that in there, and uh, that's, what, that's the only game I've been playing besides Ghost of Tsushima the entire week. So, um, so, and you say so you still have not beaten Ghost of Tsushima. Right. I'm, I'm literally about to get to the, the second stronghold on the, uh, second stronghold. On that, okay. on that I think I know where you are there. Yeah. Yeah. I, just I, got I, I would my, recommend. Oh, go ahead. Oh, thanks. Russ. <laughs> Sorry I, about that. I just got my father's armor and I'm about to modify and upgrade the crap out of it. So it's uh, big and strong. Uh, like me. Wait, that's and, where you are. Well, I've done all the other little, <laughs> little things that I'm supposed to do in the area. That was like one of the last things I had to do. And I think I have like two other story, like journal, you know, progressions, things that I got to do. But otherwise the entire map I've, I've explored, like there's nothing else really to do except for some given stuff. And then I'm onto the stronghold. Uh, so in final fantasy, I, I'll tell you where I am. I know I'm, I haven't got to where you are yet. Um, I've leveled up to about level 16. Uh, I have where we've gone back into Shinra to take out another reactor. And that's where we are. We're basically, we're on this, this scaffolding. And I think it's, we're looking at reactor number five or something like that. I'm not really, really sure. It kind of lost me there with all exploding and taking it out this and that, but Barrett's with me. Tifa's with me. Um, Cloud is a wet blanket, but all the girls seem to love him. And I got my new <laughs> sword. And <laughs> the sword is and as so, big as I am. Right, exactly. How he can wield it with those uh, pencil-y arms, I don't know, but that's part of the fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's got some definition in his deltoids, okay? Yeah, really. Yeah, he's got some good shoulders, uh, but uh, it takes a little bit more than that. Anyhow. <laughs> So that's been fun. Um, I let's see. I am. I think I'm heading towards a boss. I, I took out. You remember that? Like the, the I had to re revert power to certain areas to make platforms move. Oh make, yeah, I remember that. That's exactly where I am. So I, I've already done that, and then I stopped and saved and turned it off. So I wouldn't. I could actually get to sleep without amping myself up in a boss fight and then thinking about it for the next five hours. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, if I am understanding where you are, is, are, are you looking for like the key codes and stuff? Is that kind of where you're at? Like you, there's a bunch of consoles and you're having to uh, look for the keys in order to put in order to move forward. Or is that not where you're at yet? Um, no, that's that's not where I'm at. I don't I'm not looking for keys. Um, I, I okay. literally had to. So Biggs, 
is in the reactor and we got to go to bigs. Like for example, I had to ride a subway and then they figured out who I was and the um, destruction and havoc I was about to cause. And so they, they stopped the train and I had to, I had to, run through the subway in a sense to escape and find my uh, yes. reactor. And then I've, I've yeah. been climbing up and now I'm like over the slums in this, uh, you know, heading my way towards this reactor and fighting off little, little monsters and stuff. Yeah. What I was going to say is, is the, uh, there's a certain segment that you're going to come to where there is a multi-layered part of sector five or wherever it is that, that, that this place is located where you're having to constantly find key cards. And so you'll find key cards and they make it uh, like this mini game of sorts. I don't want to like completely explain the entire thing, but it's definitely like kind of a preview of things to come at different parts of the game where you could tell the game designers are like, how do we uh, make this game seem longer? Yeah. I know. Let's force the gamer to do this over and over and over again to intentionally slow their roll. And so it's just kind of funny because like you'll get there and and I'm sure you're you're gonna be telling me all about it once you get there. You're like, why did I have to do that? <laughs> yeah. But that's good, Steve. I'm I'm glad that you uh, are making your way through Final Fantasy. My only uh, hope is that I. I um, Hope that you are able to finish Ghost of Tsushima before getting completely into Final Fantasy VII. Well, yeah, although I I feel bad because <laughs> I, I, I've been streaming so much of Ghost of Tsushima that I feel like I have to keep, when I play it, I have to continue to stream it, which I'll probably do, but that means... Um, <laughs> My like my my wife calls me or I get a phone call. I'm gonna be playing like okay, here I am going to this farm and I'm going to liberate the people. Yeah, what's up, buddy? <laughs> I took out the trash. And back here, all right now, these guys don't know the whooping that's gonna come on them. Oh, I'm getting a phone call. Oh, hey, Russ, what's up? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> what? No, I. I uh, <laughs> No, I don't want those sweaters from 1987. No. Yes, no. I've taken I, my vote. I love vitamins. you too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, mom. I don't want the Flintstone vitamins anymore. Yeah. Okay, maybe I do. Give me the 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 give me the ones with Dino. <laughs> I want those, the orange ones. <laughs> they always the, that flavor tastes good. That tastes good. Okay. 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 I love you too, bye. <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, the, one of the things, though, is that you do have a mute button. I'm pretty sure there's got to be some sort of yeah. mute feature on your headset. So if that happens, then you won't have to necessarily uh, agonize your your viewers when you do that. But I'm glad that you have been uh, pretty pretty religious about getting the, 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 the Ghost of Tsushima adventures recorded. I just hope that you're, like I said, like... <laughs> You, you need to kind of power through that. I feel like like you you've had enough Ghost of Tsushima, at least for now. You need to like get to the ending so that way we can actually talk about the ending, and then you can just go full throttle into the Final Fantasy VII remake. Okay. Uh. Anyway, is there anything else, Steve, or is that it? That's about it, Rob. How about you? Uh Well, I have a list oh, here. Oh my goodness. Uh, the first thing that is worth talking about is that there's a new character making his way to soul caliber six. And I'm very happy that you have been playing that game kind of 
on a semi-regular basis. It's definitely a, a fighting game that you have gotten into, and that makes me happy because I always knew you were a Soul Calibur fan like me. And so um, Huang is now going to be officially released for Soul Calibur VI, bringing the entire roster up to, man, it's, I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again in the future, but I'm really happy with how Namco has continued to flesh out the the character roster, which I, I had a feeling they would just because when the game first came out, it just seemed rather bare bones. Like, like there were, I don't know, maybe 12 characters or so. I don't remember exactly how many. It was between like, I want to say 10 and 12. Uh, but since that release, they have consistently added more and more characters and all of the characters, including the guest characters from other games, are really... I would say a nice selection. So that's super cool. Uh, I have continued watching the Mandalorian season two, and I'm telling you, Steve, you need to watch it. The production values of that show. While, I mean, it is a show. It's not a movie. Excuse me. (laughs) Uh, You know, what's really funny about that. So because it's been getting colder, we've had to turn on the heater and it's that fun, like, transitionary period where like your your house starts to pump the the warm air through and so for some reason you get kind of like that like explosion of dust <laughs> and uh it's weird because it's like it's one of those situations where like you know you have to blow your nose and your nose sometimes gets a little uh nice bloody boogers and all that kind of stuff because your nose is not used to the change in the weather and you know, a lot of stuff so yeah anyway Back to The Mandalorian. So The Mandalorian is a show that you need to watch, Steve. You definitely, you just you just need to bite the bullet and get a Disney Plus subscription because it is very fun. And um, I mean, The Mandalorian's not perfect. There are little nitpick things I have about it. But overall, man, it's, I can tell you, uh, there are certain uh, sequences throughout each episode where I'm like, this is better than the, the recent movies that came out. So... Definitely worth watching. My Xbox Series X, Steve, is still pending. I have no idea when that's going to get here. They did say uh, it should be here on uh, December 23rd. We'll see if that's actually correct or if they are lying. It'll come on Christmas. Like the the driver will be like, yeah, thanks to you. I'm not with my family right now, but here's your stinking <laughs> Xbox. If that happened, I would invite him into my house and be like, okay, let's play some games. I have Cyberpunk 2077. Cool. Oh, thanks, man. That's nice, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You you want some Christmas uh, breakfast? I I have some some stuff here for you. Here you go. Yeah, I got lots of candy canes. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah, I'll massage your feet. Chocolate Santas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You can uh, dip it into your hot cocoa and it'll melt into some extra chocolate goodness. There you go. But I have also been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. I've been getting farther into that. I just made it over the wall. There's going to come up a point in the game where you have this huge wall that you have to use your... Um, it's kind of a... Not a grappling hook necessarily, but it's it's kind of, it's one of those like electrical versions of that where you shoot it and uh, it allows you to ascend over the huge wall. And so that is where I am at. I feel like I there's probably like another 20 to 30% left for me in the game. Um, I did get to a point where, once again, the game designers decided to completely mess with the gamer. Um, 
I'm I'm in this this uh, certain area where they have made it very hard to move around. Um, just just think like like you're you're indoors, you're in this interior, not a lot of movement. Uh, like like just in terms of being able to, to take evasive action, and then they fill it with all kinds of enemies in there that basically surround you and. Uh, beat the living tar out of you. <laughs> so, and they're not, they're not a boss or anything like that, but it, it's one of those situations where I'm just like, you just get frustrated. You're like, wait a minute. Why, why did all of a sudden the difficulty just ramp up out of nowhere? And after I was like easily dispensing, uh, of, uh, various, uh, hapless enemies that made the mistake of coming my way. Now, suddenly I'm getting owned big time. Like I, I just, there's, there's nothing I can do. And so I ended up stopping there. I'm like, okay, uh, the fun factor has now been depleted. I'm going to stop playing for the night and uh, maybe uh, I will uh, try something else. But it's, it's those types of scenarios where I don't really have a desire to try and figure it out because it's, to me, it's, it's an unfair cheat by the game designers. And so I'm just going to look on YouTube and be like, okay, so how do you get, how do you get past this? Okay. That's how you do it. Okay. And then go back to playing. It's different than like a game such as Sekiro where the, like the game design is so well done and succinct with everything. Like I know it's more about me having to get good than it is like lazy game design. Like where you could tell they're like, oh, we need to make this game longer. So let's uh, let's do this, and that way they'll have to spend an extra five or ten hours on that part. <laughs> but it, um, one of the things I was wanting to ask you, Steve, about Final Fantasy oh. is now that you've been able to play it somewhat, what do you think of the graphics? So the gra- yeah, the graphics are fine. I kind of wish you see. I kind of want them to, to have waited for the PS5 to launch and then release the game because I think that would have been huge. And I'm playing it, and, there, and and yeah, of course it's way better than it was before, and I'm glad they're doing it. But I, I do feel like it is a missed opportunity. I feel like it could have been more detailed. I mean, I, you know, when when cloud when you're when 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 cloud is walking. And the, like the light is reflecting off his blade, depending on which you know left or right step he's taking. I think that's awesome. I think there's a lot of like really cool details, but I think it could have been better since we were so close to a PS5 releasing. I just feel like, and I'm playing it, but I already want to see it on PS5. It's gonna it's gonna be better anyway. Why couldn't we have just waited to, for a PS5 launch? And then it could have been because they haven't they didn't get the PS5 kits in time, and this took a long you know quite a while to to remake and to to create and design and whatnot. So that was probably it. But um, and throughout the whole game, I'm like I'm I'm feeling great about it. And you know, some of the characters definitely look better than others. Like you know your main characters are great, and then when you talk to somebody, they look like they're out of the Witcher or something where their mouth just moves, but doesn't really like follow the speech or something. Yeah. Like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you're in this weird situation too, where you're playing the game on a regular PS4. Right. The, the actual experience, like in terms of the, the visuals do improve if you're on a PS4 pro and, and of course, if you're on a PS5. So I, I hope that you're able to upgrade from a, a regular PS4, just because I do think you are going to notice, especially because you have 4K TV. 
So you want, and, and the, the PS4 is, is not natively set up for 4K, like taking advantage of it. So um, hopefully you're able to um, acquire one of those systems because I think that you, you may change your tune a little bit with regards to this. You know game. what I'm going to have to do though? Before I was going to have to get the, uh, or I was planning, I was not going to have to, but I was planning on getting just the hard drive version of the PS5 and saving some money. Um, but now that I have this game, I don't know if it's going to let me download a version of the game if I were to go that route. Plus, I have another PS5 title that is a disc also, which is my Wipeout, which is, you know, game is a bit passable. But um, anyhow, I'm like, okay, now I have two disc games <laughs> that I want to play on the next system, and I'm not going to be able to do that unless I get the the hard drive, or excuse me, the uh, the, the disc version of the 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 platform. So, well, and you're more of a, of a physical copy yeah, kind of guy anyway. Yeah, yeah. You're not as much of the digital download. And especially when it comes to, to titles like Final Fantasy that you're a huge fan of, I would suspect that you would want to actually go more of the physical copy route just to have that as like a, uh, a souvenir, so to speak, moving forward where you can look back on it fondly and be like, yeah, this is like the physical version of the game, so on and so forth. But I can tell you also... I am almost 100% certain that um, it won't let you play the digital version of the game if you have the physical version. Like, like if you decide you bought, you want to buy the physical copy, then that's the version you play. I don't think there is a feature that Sony does where it can recognize that you bought the physical version and it'll allow you to download the digital. I, I don't think that's an yeah. option. I'll have to take a peek, but I think you're right, though. Yeah. Moving on from Final Fantasy VII, I have continued to play Legends of Runeterra, unlocking all those new cards I told you about. They definitely made the game harder because I'm like losing at least 50% of the time now. It used to be like I was winning like 90% of the time and losing 10% of the time. Yeah, it's like 50-50 now. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, okay. Uh, apparently I was not supposed to win this at all. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a, a tweaking balancing issue. I think they were they were thinking, man, people, everybody's just winning all the time. We're running out of cards. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> uh, well, finally, one of the things I think is worth talking about. We we were um, considering this being our topic of the day, but then um, the the Warner Brothers st uh, story came out, and so this is uh, not. But it's still very much um, an eyebrow raising type of situation where uh, Bioware had released a statement where Casey Hudson, the GM of BioWare, and Mar uh, Mark uh, Dara, who is the executive producer on Dragon Age 4, both have left the company. And so that's pretty crazy because, like, I mean, Casey Hudson has been with the company for a long time. If you recall, like, he, he was there uh, for many years with, with BioWare. He left and actually got a job, I think, at Microsoft for a couple of years. I think he left the company in like 2015 or something like that. And then he came back in 2017 or 2018, somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, I always viewed uh, Casey as kind of one of the, the cornerstones of Bioware. You know, I think that when, when you're in a company, and this is just my personal opinion, but I think that there are certain people within any given organization that really toe the line, so to speak, in terms of defining the, the culture of the studio as well as 
um, the type of games that that the the studio creates. And when you lose those people, then there is a noticeable shift in terms of of the tone or the spirit of the games that get released. And um, I don't recall if he left after EA acquired Bioware or if he was still there initially for a while. I, I, I didn't do my my homework on that necessarily, but they did put out um, kind of this, this uh, <laughs> it's a statement by EA and Bioware and they're trying to make it sound as positive as possible. You know, it says we strive for all of our studios to be places uh, where talented creative people come to do career defining work. Um, a dimension of this ambition is that sometimes those people want to try something different. Casey Hudson, GM Bioware and, uh, Mark Dara, um, executive producer, Dragon Age are two of those people and they have decided to move on from Bioware and they go on to say, I want to personally thank Casey and Mark for everything they have done for the Bioware community and, and particularly for our players. They will always be an essential part of the studio's history, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then they go on to talk about how Samantha Ryan, who came to Electronic Arts after leading Warner Brothers Games, is one of the strongest leaders in the industry. She will continue to oversee the studio. They also said how they were excited to announce that Christian um, Daly, who joined Bioware from Blizzard, will be leading the, the Dragon Age project currently in development. So they go on and talk about how um, Christian is a fantastic creative leader. They look forward to getting to know um, him as well as the other folks in the, in the coming days, uh, so on and so forth. So they're, they're trying to make it sound like it's not a huge deal. Um, I have a feeling it is a big deal uh, because you have Casey Hudson who like, you know, when he made his, his big return back to Bioware, I, I mean, both of us were excited. I mean, do, do you remember how there was that, that chunk of time where Bioware was working in, in the games that they came out, like like Bioware Andromeda, for example, was just like this horrible um, title in the overall series. It was nowhere near as good as um, Mass Effect 1 and 2, even 3. And so having him return, um, at least for me, like I was like, okay, this is, this is a very good sign. It's good to have one of the, the Bioware OGs come back in and hopefully he's able to write the ship. And we noticed, you know, I think probably his first kind of like results of coming back was Anthem, wasn't it? Correct. <clears throat> oh, geez. <laughs> Blah. You know, yeah, I, um, <laughs> I remember you were talking about that and you were pretty, pretty darn excited. Um, like, and I think, even Big Baby Moose was on the show at the time, and, and everybody was was pretty stoked about his return and what the plan was and and whatnot. So it's kind of odd that you know a couple of years later this would happen. Or I don't even think it's a couple of years. I think it's just a year later. Well, maybe a couple of years. Later. Anyway, no, it was probably two years, two or three years, somewhere in there. But I do think it has to do with the relationship with EA because there's this there's this ongoing pattern I've noticed where once EA acquires a studio, they tend to really start leaning heavily on that studio that kind of goes against those studios values and principles as it applies to game development, because EA is more of a publisher. You know, they're, they're looking at their quarterly earnings. They're trying to please their stockholders. They're, they're going through a lot of um, more of the business side of things. And so like with Anthem, for instance, if you recall, Remember that story where they were 
um, kind of talking about the the d- development of Anthem and how they were having like an EA bigwig come and really apply the pressure on them to just get something out the door and right. almost was taking a not not necessarily a creative directive role, but like was definitely dictating like what they should and shouldn't do. And then so it became less of Bioware working with the Bioware secret sauce and more about trying to please their boss. And that's always a recipe for disaster. So it makes me wonder if Casey just got tired of the, the office politics. And I'm honestly wondering if, if he and Mark are going to go off and start their own studio. That's what I'm wondering. Possibly. I wouldn't doubt it. We'll have to see, but they, I mean, they were, they were, were going on talking. I think both of both individuals gave another statement on their own accord. And again, it was all professional. They, they're definitely not wanting to stir the pot. They want to make it look like it was an amicable thing. So we will just have to see. But I, I did think it was worth talking about because that is something that um, is a big deal to to you and I, uh, me especially because I, I've been a big fan of Bioware. And, and they, Bioware has been having um, a struggle as of late to maintain the level of, uh, of quality that their older titles had. Like, they, I mean, they were just like releasing title after title. And now it, it was it has become like almost as if they've gone off the tracks or something and, and they've they've lost their way a little bit. And so I'm hoping, you know, especially with the Casey Hudson return, uh, it definitely gave me confidence to like, see if they could get back on track. And it looked like they were in terms of like revisiting Anthem. They want to try and turn it into the game that they originally were, were pushing for. And then they had the mass effect legendary edition that they're working on that has mass effect one, two, and three. It's going to come out uh, next year, I think. And of course, Dragon Age 4, and then they had another title, I think a new Mass Effect game entirely that they're working on. So it, it, you could tell that, that there was this engine that was running. It's like, okay, cool. This this all sounds right. And then this happened. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, we'll have to just kind of wait and see, I guess. So the topic of the day is the Warner Brothers uh, releasing all 2021 movies on HBO Max. This is huge. They have about 17 movie titles that they typically kind of put out on average each year. Excuse me. Had a little bit of the old burping. Um, yeah. So, so going to kick things off. So Warner Brothers, they announced... Um, this uh, this this new approach to distributing its films in 2021, um, and of course, they do have the 17 theatrically released movies um, that are going to be set up in such a way where it will be available concurrently for um, a one month exclusive window on the HBO Max platform. So that means that United States based customers will be able to watch highly anticipated releases um, that include. Dune, The Matrix 4, Suicide Squad, uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie, and more. At the same time, on HBO Max, as they would be able to see them released in theaters. So it's going to be the simultaneous release where you have the option if you want to go into the theaters and watch it, or if you want to be at home, as long as you have HBO Max, uh, you can actually watch these movies. And to my understanding, I don't think they're going to be charging any extra money for that. 
I think as long as you have the the HBO Max subscription, you can watch it. Um, I have some other notes here where where they talk about. Warner Brothers announced the news on uh, Thursday, um, citing the hybrid streaming and theatrical release change as, quote, a strategic response to the impact of the ongoing global pandemic, particularly in the U.S. Um, All films will release on HBO Max in 4K Ultra HD and HDR on HBO Max. After the one-month HBO Max exclusive window is up, the movies will continue to run in theaters in the United States like they always do and internationally quote with all customary distribution windows applying to the title. So like basically the, the theatrical runs will be the same as what we all know them to be where a movie tent, like especially if it's a successful film, it'll be in the theater for a few months uh, before, before it goes to um, you know, digital download and uh, disc and all that fun stuff. So, um, so the list here, I, I have the, the release list from Warner Brothers and they include the little things, which I'm, I haven't heard of before. There's the Tom and Jerry movie, uh, the many saints of, of Newark. And actually, you know what? Let me back up. So the little things is scheduled to come out on January 29th of 2021. Tom and Jerry is on March 5th. The many saints of Newark is March 12th. Uh, Reminiscence is April 16th. Godzilla versus Kong, which sounds like a movie right up our alley, <laughs> is May 21st. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, is on June 4th. In the Heights is June 18th. Space Jam, A New Legacy, is July 16th. The Suicide Squad, which is the the new... Um, yeah. Oh, what's his name? What's his uh, name, Steve? Yeah, ask the guy who's bad with names. Uh, <laughs> the director Coach- of Guard... <laughs> No, <laughs> the director of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Why am I doing a brain fart on this? Uh, gosh, James Gunn. I'm seeing his face. Thank you, James oh, Gunn. Man, I got it. You're a saint. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> anyway, he's directing this new Suicide, suicide Squad movie. That's going to come out on August 6th. Dune is October 1st. King Richard is November 19th. The Matrix 4 is December 22nd of 2021. Uh, then they they have um, a few others that, that have a to be determined. There's Cry Macho. Uh, oh, what is this? Oh, I, I never know how to enunciate this. It's like malignant. We'll just go with that. Sure. Those Who Wish Me Dead, Mortal Kombat, and Judas and the Black Messiah. So those are the, the, the roster of titles that are going to be making their way both to HBO Max and the theater simultaneously. So I want to pause there and talk to you, Steve, about what do you think about Warner Brothers taking this type of approach? Well, Russ, thank you for asking. Um, so... You're welcome. I recall us talking roundabouts about this topic throughout the year about what the plan is and, you know, movies not being released and and, and studios suffering because this is kind of like how they make their movies, or movies, money <laughs> from their movies. You know, they, they spend all this money making the movie and they got to show the movie to get their return. And so that ain't happening. They're just, they've already spent the money 
making the movie, but they're not getting any money back. And the theaters are suffering as well. So, but my comeback was, you know, when, when there's, where there's a will, there's a way. And it's where we live in a very nice technological time right now where stuff can be streamed. And that's probably not the ideal, but that could be a way that they could stay in business. And the thing is too, I mean, it could be a win-win for the movie studio and the audience, but it's a win-lose for, um, the, the, the theater itself because you know, you're basically taking out the middleman in a sense, which is the theater and saying, Hey, we're just going right to the viewer, which is awesome in its own right, but it's making the theater experience a thing of the past, which it kind of is. But if people still want to go to the movies, but they're afraid of getting sick or, you know, which could lead to you know, them dying or at the very least missing out on work. I mean, no one wants to, pay, you know, they, they pay a cost to watch the movie, but they don't want to have an additional cost to their health uh, just by being entertained. Um, and I'll sure. include myself in that one, and I think you're you're with it too. So, I mean, it's a hard decision to make, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the th- business has to go on, and if they can safely release this movie into people's homes, to it's a hard to say. I mean, it sucks. I... I you know, if I rely on somebody for a long time to make me money, which is, you know, if I have a, a widget and I need so-and-so to sell the widget and then so-and-so who sells the widget can't, I'm going to find another way to sell my widget, right? And if that means that it doesn't benefit the so-and-so person, I'm sorry, but I got to stay in business myself. I mean, it's a hard it's a hard choice they got to make, but in all reality, I mean, we all they have to survive too. And it's, it's so anyhow, I think it's still a great idea because, uh, we're not supposed to really gather. I mean, all the officials have said, Hey, you know, don't even on the holidays, we know they're your family, but don't get together, uh, too much because we don't want to spread this virus. Uh, and so since we're not supposed to gather in large places, well, um, why don't we just, why can't we watch these movies that we're highly anticipating uh, for this entire year? Why can't we just watch them in our own homes? Uh, and so that's, that is a happy alternative. Um, and I think that this will promote competition in a sense to say, okay, well, what can we do to make people come to the theater? Cause Corona is not going to last forever. At some point it's going to, it's going to end. We're going to get all vaccinated. Like, life is going to move on. Uh, but until that point, yeah. how are, how are they going to attract people to come back to the theater once they've accepted watching movies from home in their pajamas with their food, with the bathroom, they don't have to wait for not trying to find parking, you know, having all the candy ready, having maybe a couple of friends over like a watch party kind of deal with their own entertainment system, their own sound system. You know, that's what, and that is really attractive also. I mean, I like the movie experience, but I don't really like the stuff that comes with the movie experience where like, you know, people would stop, you know, don't, won't stop talking or they kick my chair or like, you know, maybe my chair is not very comfortable. I, like that's the one I chose or I'm like, man, I'm feeling gouged by buying this really expensive popcorn, drink, candy, et cetera, whatever. Um, so, I mean, to me, it really sounds positive. And I, I, could, I could almost predict that if you know Warner Brothers is doing this, 
other studios are going to go, man, well, how much money are they making with, with that? And should we do that too? So, I mean, part of me, the, the real compassion side of me is, is with the movie theaters because they're going, man, this is, you know, we're not going to make money from Warner Brothers. I mean, everyone's, why would they come to us? They're, they're, they're afraid of coming to us. Everybody's going to be watching it from home. And how long is this going to last? And how many more people are we going to have to lay off because we don't have work for them? So, and I mean, right. I, man, I, I mm, feel for those people, but I don't want to keep on going. I want to let you have a chance to say something. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, um, and, and I, and there, there's, there's still quite a bit. I mean, like, so I think you touched on, on a number of valid points. And I think that when it comes to the movie theater itself, AMC had a response to Warner Brothers announcement. Um, and there was a quote, well, so, so, the, you know, going back to what they were talking about, about how Warner Brothers is going to be like, like the first month that every one of those titles is going to actually come out. You can watch it on HBO Max as well as a theater. Well, there's a quote here from AMC uh, that's, that's actually from the company's CEO uh, who slammed the, the decision in a statement to the Hollywood Reporter. Here's the quote. It says, Clearly, Warner uh, Media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability of its movie studio division and that of its production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO Max startup. Um, and that was, his name is, uh, Aaron, uh, who is also president of AMC theaters and his, his quote continues here. It says, as for AMC, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our business. Aaron said um, that AMC theaters is already in, in, in an immediate and urgent dialogue with Warner brothers. He also said that the theater chain is confident that incoming COVID-19 vaccines will make it easier for moviegoers to return to theaters safely and with a peace of mind. So his statement comes the same day that the theater chain announced that it would be selling 200 million shares to raise $844 million which resulted in a 17% stock drop, uh, which was reported by uh, Variety. So that reminded me a bit of what we talked about a few weeks back with regards to the movie industry, um, specifically the, the theater chains, the brick and mortar locations. Because if you recall, uh, there was Regal Theaters that I believe went bankrupt. They, they, um, I'm not sure if anyone has picked them up since then or whatever, but, but they were kind of the first casualty of the movie theater chain business. You still have AMC, you still have Cinemark, but what's interesting to me is how um, AMC, which is the, the largest chain in America um, have been very on this developing story because I think that they of course have been, really affected in 2020 in terms of their bottom line. And what's interesting to me is when I think about Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers is in a position where they can leverage a platform like HBO Max because they own HBO Max. It's part of their ecosystem. It's the same thing as Disney where like, you know, Disney can easily release its films on Disney plus because they now have that as a platform. I don't necessarily know about the other movie studios though. Like I don't know if universal studios has a platform that they can leverage. I don't know about, 
uh, Sony, like in terms of Columbia Pictures and TriStar. I mean, they they have their PlayStation platform, but that's a bit different. That's not the same thing as like a Netflix or a Hulu or something to that um, extent anyway. So it's, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see what the other theaters do in response to this, because I do think that Warner Brothers, like, like the movie studios themselves, like Warner Brothers, are in the, are in a similar boat where they have to make money. They've they've ended up delaying basically their entire roster of films for the year of 2020. So they haven't been making any kind of return on their investment when it comes to this. And especially depending on how 2021 shakes out, it's it's a very good thing that we have the vaccines that are are coming through. I think there's like two or three of them now. And like like to your point, Steve, the the cold COVID-19 is not going to stay around forever. We're going to be able to move past and that sort of thing. The question that we all have though is Will these companies be able to survive until that time? So it's 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 hard because like you know you you brought up some some interesting points too about the differences like kind of the pros and cons of going to a theater versus being able to watch it from home, and I think that we have all it's weird that that we're kind of at the precipice now of being able to watch lots of films from the home as opposed to you know, having the exclusive experience of going to see the new films in the theater before coming to the home market. What was interesting is um, actually IGN put together a very comp- comprehensive list of pros and cons with regards to watching a movie from the comfort of, of your home versus watching a movie in theaters. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of go down this list and uh, and get your thoughts on this. The first pro that they have listed here is that we get to watch a bunch of brand new, highly anticipated blockbuster movies for a reasonable monthly price without having to leave the comfort or safety of our home. Um, and and so that is, I mean, I agree to you that that is definitely a, a pro in the sense of like, wow, like I, as long as you have a subscription to HBO Max, there, to my knowledge, is no additional premium fee in order to watch these films, you're, you're just, it it just comes up for a month. And, um, another question that I would love to to get the answer of is, can I watch that movie as many times as I wish during that month? Cause that would be pretty sweet too. Now, you know, I, let me interject real quick because, okay. So HBO max, that's different than like an on demand, right? Like you still have to go by their schedule or is that like, you know, I want to watch the matrix four at nine 30 tonight. Um, you know, take my money sort of thing. And then I can pause it and I can you know run back and forth. If I have to take a phone call or run to the bathroom or something, is that how that works? Because I haven't had HBO in years. And so, well, so, so here's something that, um, you, I'm not sure. Do you have AT&T as your, yes. as your, uh, web provider? Yeah. Well, then you get HBO max. Really? Because AT&T is a part of Warner Media. And they have this whole thing set up where if you have, I believe it's like if you have AT&T U-verse, um, or basically whatever the the internet provider platform is that AT&T is, one of the, the specials that they have is that you get free HBO Max. So that's a, a big incentive uh, yeah, that, that's a big incentive for anyone who is on uh, AT&T's U-verse system uh, that they, you know, if that's your your internet provider, 
then that's a, a big plus right there going into 2021 because, and even, even before that, like um, I know my wife and I have been enjoying HBO max um, and the, the mobile app is really good too. It's easy to, to log into and find what you want to watch and stuff. And I would think that during the month, it's, it's going to be different. It's not like when you go to a theater and they have certain times posted for when you're able to watch these films. I think it's going to have that video on demand model where you can literally at any time, any day during that month, if you want to watch like Godzilla versus Kong, you can watch it. Yeah. And so. I, I guess they'd have to be that way because, I mean, if, if they said, oh, we're going to play The Matrix 4 at 5 a.m. in the morning, and if you miss it, then you're, you know, you're screwed. I would think that would be kind of a, a letdown because I have no interest in really watching The Conjuring or some of the, the horror flicks. I know, you know, some folks like watching that stuff, which is, hey, okay, I like to not watch it and I like to get some sleep and not think about it, you know? Uh, so I, to me, there are, I mean, I, I want to watch Wonder Woman for sure, uh, many, many times, most likely. And I, but I want to watch it on my schedule. So I guess it would have to work that way. I mean, cause it would, yeah. Yeah. I would be very surprised if like, if they had it like the theater chains do where you could only watch it at such and such a time. I, I don't think that's the case at all. Going to one of the cons that they have listed, um, a con is that this of course is a massive blow to the movie industry, which was already suffering through 2020, especially smaller independently run theaters. The, perhaps the, the biggest thing about that, though, is that it affects the thousands of people who are employed by the theaters of any size. And I think that I can speak for everybody when, when I say that we definitely, that, that's kind of part of it, right? Is like we want to keep the, the movie theaters going. We want to keep people gainfully employed. And having something like this, especially if they continue it beyond 2021, if it just becomes a thing, uh, that's definitely going to affect uh, employment. Let's say you. Yeah. I, so one of the ideas I had before was that, you know, if AMC, for example, made an app or let's say AMC went in with, with Regal and they said, okay, you know, we, we, we need money to keep the, the theaters, at least, you know, pay the lease to keep the theaters. Cause at some point they're going to reopen the theaters and, and maybe implement some new technology and, you know, whatever comforts, whatnot. So if they said, okay, you know, we need to make money too. So what we're going to do is we're going to make an app and all, a bunch of different theaters are, will have a, a stick in it. Maybe it'd have different features of the app depending on who you want to go there. Ah, who knows? I don't know. But then Hollywood and all these production companies will say, okay, well, we will use your medium to distribute our movies, but people have to have like a smart TV or a streaming device, uh, which you can get. I mean, there's DV, there's Blu-ray players that are that have smart features on them. You can watch Hulu and YouTube and, and whatnot. You can do it through your TV. You can do it through your gaming system. You can do it through maybe, I think, even like a Fire Stick or something. There, there, there's definitely ways that you could get this done in your media device, um, but you would have to have something in order to get the app to uh, watch these movies from your house. I think that, you know, maybe if, even if they charged a little bit more, that would be a okay because that would keep them in business. Um, and then once everything went back to normal and we can all go back to the theater safely without thinking that we're going to catch something, then of course they would open their doors. We'd all go back and, and, and whatnot. And I think that, they don't want to do it because it might be too much of a money constraint. I think they probably make a little bit more money with 
uh, you know, everyone coming in paying cash for movie tickets and whatnot. So, um, but I, I think you have to adjust yourself to the, the times that we're in and you can either do what you're doing now and maybe you might make less money. Maybe you might go out of business, who knows? But you know, if most of the people who are coming in paying cash for movie tickets are not coming, you have to figure out a way that you could still make money to stay in business. Even if, even if it's something that is not as attractive to you. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that there, I, I know that you have brought up this point in the past, last time we were talking about it. And honestly, I, I just don't think it's realistic for the, the brick and mortar theater chains to actually put together some sort of online platform to be able to, to distribute this stuff. I think that's kind of one of the big pain points that they have is that their business model from the ground up is designed to be a brick and mortar location that people come and watch these movies that the theaters lease themselves. And, you know, it's kind of a blockbuster video versus Netflix type of situation that they find themselves in where people have the convenience of being able to watch movies and TV shows and stuff through a platform like Amazon Prime or or Netflix instead of going to a place like Blockbuster. And I just, I don't think they're in a position to be able to do that. I mean, Disney itself is this huge conglomerate of a company and it took them multiple years to get Disney Plus set up and ready to go. And I just, I, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. Moving on to um, one of the pros, of course, is that this is an incentive for more Americans to stay home, preventing further exposure and spread to COVID-19. That's self-explanatory. Uh, one of the cons is that we are missing out on the movie-going experience. This, this is something that I think registers with me. I think um, it's the same for you as well. Uh, it's weird because 2020 has not allowed us to really have that uh, for most of the year. Um, and even for those willing to brave movie theaters, it's unlikely that theaters will be packed for some time. Um, and I think that it's, I'm in conflict about that because I am, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if, if that's classified as being old school at this point or not, but I have always enjoyed the idea that if there is some sort of blockbuster tentpole film that's coming out, I always love being able to get out of the house, meet up with friends and family and go to the theater. Like there, there is just something that is very iconic about going to a physical theater location that you, you cannot replicate at your home. Um, well, I mean, you have, you have yeah. the huge screen, you have the sound system, uh, you have the, the, the comfy chairs and you have, I would say people of similar interest, of course, uh, with you that, you, you know, they're going to shout with you. They're going to cry with you. They're going to laugh with you. Uh, I mean, I mean, watching the Avengers was the perfect example where we went into an IMAX theater and you sit down, you're looking at your person to your left, you're looking to your person to your right, which could be you. And uh, you're like, man, I'm stoked. Oh. You know, you put looking to the person behind you in front of you like, I cannot wait for this. This is going to be awesome. And you're kind of interacting. And that kind of that feeds the, the fire in a sense of, of, uh, the, Oh yeah. The energy yeah. in the room is palpable at times. Sure. So the, another pro is that this makes uh, seeing new movies much more accessible for people with disabilities, people who don't live close to a theater, anyone who hates rushing through dinner to catch a 705 showing or falling asleep during the 915 one. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, one of the cons that they have listed here is that um, it's this will currently only be in the United States 
which is unfortunate for the rest of the world. Uh, but on the flip side, congrats to, on your considerably lower uh, COVID numbers. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, n- another pro too um, also is going on what you just said is, I mean, there have been times where we are trying to link up for a movie and either I have to stay longer for work or you have a meeting or, um, you know, there's a bunch of traffic and we're just hustling to get there on time. Either like, and there's been times like the Avengers where I've had a day and a half and I'm getting there. I haven't had, <laughs> let me tell you, I day. have had a so day. I haven't had anything to eat. I have a headache. I'm like getting there just so we can watch the movie and, and podcast on it. You are negative. Right. Nancy. Exactly. Yes. Like don't, don't, don't touch me or I'm going to bite your hand off. So, so, I'm not sure if Steve is going to be Debbie Downer or negative Nancy. It's very hard to know. <laughs> Positive Paulina. Okay. So, <laughs> but if there were, but in this case, like if I could come home and you're like, you watch the movie, let's say in the morning, like you, you had a day off. I don't know. And so you were able to watch it um, the day before I was. And so then I watched it after you did, but we weren't, it were, we were in the comfort of our own home and we still watched it and we're able to podcast on time. I mean, that would be like the happy medium. I wouldn't have to rush through traffic, wait in line, you know, find out, wait, you know, you're waiting for me. I'm waiting for you, you know, and, and, and we're having to abide by the movie theater schedule instead of our own schedule, what works best for us. So that's, that to me is, is pretty attractive. Well, and I think that that is a very good pro for you and I, especially because one of the challenges that we have, like you said, is trying to sync up our time to be able to go to the theater together to watch a movie that we're going to later on review. And this is definitely convenient because, like you said, we don't have to worry about being at the theater at a specific time in order to meet up. But furthermore we like like the the amount of movies we can watch and then review goes up considerably because we're no longer having to pay, you know, $10 a ticket to go see each movie. Now we're just having to pay our monthly fee for HBO Max, which technically speaking is more like if you have AT&T Uverse, you're just paying your monthly internet fee. And then you get to watch HBO Max for free. So that's actually a big pro for us. I had not really given that much thought. Moving on from there, there's another one where, um, of, well, this is a big one, I think, for everyone, is that if you're able to watch it from home, you can pause the movie at any time if you have to go to, uh, to the bathroom, for instance. And that's always one of the cons whenever you go to the theater is that if you have this overwhelming urge to have to go to the bathroom, you're going to miss out on certain parts of the film. That's kind of always a bummer, right? Exactly. Uh, now one of the cons that they did talk about, uh, that I think is also very legit is that pirates and bootleggers will have a field day with this. It can be really difficult to get to the movies when you're wanting, uh, or excuse me, when you're a wanted criminal who lives on a boat or have to keep an eye on your moonshine distillery. Uh, but (laughs) people will totally rip these movies and put them on illegal file sharing sites immediately. Once these films are released, I totally get that. Like it's interesting. Like if you look at like some sort of bootlegged film, like if someone brings in like a home video camera into a theater and tapes it, it's just the quality is not there, and it's you know they're still able to circulate it or make money off it or whatever. But imagine being able to have a setup at your house 
where you probably could record it and have it be very close to like as if you were to pop in the disc itself and watch it. I think that's going to be a, a big problem for the studio moving forward. The uh, Oh, another pro is parents with young children having a hard time getting to movies. Now they can see some new movies without um, hiring a babysitter. They can pause to tend to their kids. Uh, they can watch, uh, the, you know, like the Tom and Jerry movie that's coming out next year. They The kids can watch that for a week straight if they want. That's actually really nice. Indeed. Another con is that certain movies, especially uh, big ones like The Matrix 4 and Dune, will look and sound better on the big screen no matter how good your home setup is. I totally agree with that. I think there are certain films that were designed from the ground up to be a theater experience. And unfortunately, there are certain films um, like The Matrix 4, for instance, where, yeah, it's it's convenient. It's exciting to be able to watch it from your home. But come on, let's be real. Like, you want to watch that on like a two-story size screen, right? You would. Absolutely. I, yeah, IMAX in particular. Um, but and, and most folks don't really have a proper setup. Like, they're either watching it through their nickel sized TV speakers and they're like, Oh great. I'm going to watch a movie. And then it's not even going to be the, 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 a good experience. Or they'll just have like a sound bar and a woofer, which is not going to give you the same experience either. Um, and you would have to have a pretty, I think substantial setup to watch the matrix Four. I, I loved watching the matrix. Oh my gosh. In the theater. Redonkulous. Yeah. Another pro is that you don't have to sit through a bunch of commercials before the movie or hear Maria Menounos Uh tell you about new shows coming to AMC later this year or how you can play games on the big screen by downloading the new V arcade app on your phone. Amen to that. That is huge. Like that, that is a very, I I would put uh, the word pro in caps lock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With a bunch of happy face emojis next to it. Yeah, that was becoming way out of control when you go to the theater where you're subjected to all kinds of commercials and just like movie chain propaganda stuff, like branding and everything that you're just like, my goodness, I'm just here to watch a movie. So there were times where like I, I counted on my finger eight plus commercials and I'm looking at my wife and sometimes I look at you like, I paid good money. I stood in line. I paid good money. Why am I subjected to commercials right now? It's like literally if I, what should I just watch this on free cable? Like my local channel, that'd be one thing. You know, if I had to commute here, wait in line and pay the premium price to, to sit here and, and be a captive audience for you. Like, no, it's like, it's like if you're going to wait for a ride at Disneyland and when, as soon as you, as soon as you get on, <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm totally drawing a blank on all the rides, but you sit in the, like the, the little cart. That's going to take you, you sit in this chair <laughs> and this ride takes you really fast. In a direction. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of colors. Uh, space. Uh, yeah, there you go. Space mountain. So you're sitting in space mountain. They lock you in the cart. mountain space <laughs> sitting in a chair. Fast. Motion. <laughs> and so you, you're there and then they're going to, since you can't go anywhere, and really look at anything else, they're going to show you a bunch of commercials. It'd be like the exact same thing, only you're in the movie theater. You know, it just, it has yeah. never felt right. And it's felt increasingly worse because they've put more and more ads in there. Yeah. 
another con is that this sets a precedent that could potentially eliminate all but the biggest blockbusters from screening in theaters, which means that medium budget movies like Knives Out uh, will go straight to video on demand or show up exclusively on streaming services like Netflix and Amazon. I can see that happening as well, not to mention when you think of how your you know, the theaters will lose a significant percentile of customers who prefer just to watch movies at home. So they don't get a cut of any of that. And I think it's going to be a dicey situation in that regard for them to be able to sustain their business model. Another pro is that, um, that this year, I mean, you, okay. So the way IGN wrote it was that this has been a really tough or rough year for a lot of people and things still are not great, but it's nice to have some fun, stupid things to look forward to, like a movie where Godzilla and King Kong beat the crap out of each other or a movie where Tom and Jerry beat the crap out of each other or a movie where everyone from Mortal Kombat beats the crap out of each other. <laughs> uh, but I think that the, the point of, of what they were saying was that it, it, it's been sad in 2020 that we haven't had movies to go watch and see. And so this is actually a very positive thing that, that no matter what happens with the theater chains, that at least a, a big studio like Warner brothers is going to be releasing movie entertainment for all the movie buffs out there. And I, and, and you know, for us, for instance, like the Joygasm podcast has suffered because we haven't been able to go see the new movies. I think the, the last like new movie that was in theaters that we reviewed was Sonic the Hedgehog that came out right before all of the shutdowns started happening. And as a result, it's, it's, it's been unfortunate. I know our, our audience has talked to us about how they miss the, the, the movie portion of our program. Cause normally we would kind of oscillate back and forth between talking about video games and then talking about movies and so forth. So I, I definitely agree with that. That it is, you know, regardless of the situation, it is something to look forward to, at least from that particular movie studio. And it's going to be interesting to see if other movie studios find a way to follow suit as well. Uh, because again, I think that just for you and I, in terms of like our podcast, that's a, that's a, a, a big plus. That's a, that's a big thumbs up from us. Um, they did, they did talk about how in their opinion that one of the cons is that the HBO Max app needs some work. Me personally, I don't think I have any kind of big gripes about the app. I think it's actually really intuitive and it's stable. I haven't had any uh, connection issues or whatever. So um, they did talk about how um, apparently like there, it can be buggy on consoles if you're using it through the console. Um it doesn't exist on a variety of smart TVs, Roku devices, or PlayStation 5 yet, that sort of thing. And that makes sense. I mean, HBO Max is not as prevalent as, say, Amazon Prime or Disney Plus, something like that. But I think, especially if they if they continue to support this in this direction, I could see them really fixing that. that yeah. I think that would become a non-issue. Yeah. Another pro is that there are no rules. You want to talk over the movie? Go nuts. You want to bring outside food? Hey, it's your house. You want to watch Mortal Kombat completely nude while pounding Long Island iced teas and screaming the Mortal Kombat theme song at the top of your lungs? That's between you and your neighbors. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. You want to check your phone during the movie? You can do that without strangers publicly shaming you. That is true. That, that is very, very true. But however, 
There is a con to that in that you will probably wind up staring at your phone while half watching a movie that you would have been completely focused on if you saw it in a theater. (laughs) Um, Another pro they had was that with the money saved on tickets, concessions, gas, parking, Ubers, and babysitters, more people will hopefully start to invest in better TVs and sound systems, which will make everything they watch all year look better. Now they just need to... Google how to calibrate them and dis, uh, disable that motion. Oh, thank you. Whoever wrote this IGN article thing, I totally agree. This is what I've been talking to you about too, Steve. They just need to Google how to calibrate them and disable that motion blur setting that makes everything look like a soap opera. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. I cannot stand that. We're like all the TV manufacturers out there are like, hi, hi, we got this new technology. It just, it, it unnaturally smooths the camera pans and everything. And just, you're like, what on earth is going? That is a completely unnatural fluid movement. Uh, give me, give me back my 24 frames per second film. Look, I hate how like it's, it's completely ruined every type of film where like if the camera pans from left to right or something, it's like this weird, like it goes from 24 frames per second to like 120 frames per second, all in the name of, Hey, look how smooth it is. You're like, no, that's, that's not the movie going experience. I thank hygiene for that. Way to go. Your stock went up a few points just now. <laughs> the final con that they have listed is that nothing can match the taste of movie theater popcorn. I totally ah, agree with this as well. You can try and replicate it. At home with coconut oil, kernels, and a weird chemical called uh, Flavacol. <laughs> and then recall. melt some weird synthetic... Yeah. <laughs> and then melt some weird synthetic butter on it. But it's just not the same when you're not paying a teenager $8.75 an hour for a bag. Or no, excuse me. When you're not paying a teenager $8.75 for a bag. No, I'll pass popcorn. on that. I, I disagree. I don't, the movie Popcorn is fine. But there is some pretty darn good popcorn that you can buy, like from Costco, where it's like a happy substitute. Like you could have, I mean, the movie Popcorn has never blown me away. Yes, it's it's fun to shove a bunch of popped kernels in your face. But to me, I mean, yeah, it's good, but it's not like game changing. Russ, come on. No, no, no. I totally disagree. I think that movie movie theater popcorn is legit. Like you, I mean, it's like the one time where like you, you, you just lather on that, like some like Yuck. fake butter or whatever it is they have. You, you just, you pour tons of salt on it and you do the whole shake thing to let it make sure it, it just oozes through the popcorn bag to the point where like the bottom of the bag starts to get wet you can tell it's seeping. And so you have to like, put like 10 napkins underneath the popcorn bag. Yeah, so oh, the grease man. doesn't soak into your clothes. Ugh, exactly. Then you got your bag of peanut M&Ms right next to you and a nice big Coke icy to wash it all down. That's what I'm talking about. See, like you're going to miss that. Like, yeah, sure. You can pop your own popcorn at home. It doesn't taste the same. So I don't know. Like, like, the, Okay. Lots. I feel as though this has been actually a pretty comprehensive look at the differences between being able to watch a movie at home versus the theater. What are, what are your concluding thoughts regarding this whole situation? Well, I think that other folks like Disney Plus, for example, are going to have to re-examine how much they're going to charge people 
for for this kind of thing is that this is like a ginormous deal. Like if you sign up for HBO Max and you all you have all access to these movies. Like I haven't read anything so far that says they're going to charge anything more uh, for our, for our hab- for watching these movies. But for for example, if I look back towards Mulan on Disney Plus, we're like yeah, you can have Disney Plus and be paying us for it. But guess what? We're going to charge you an extra thirty dollars to see Mulan. <laughs> Pay up, patrons. People are going to be like, okay, if we have 17 movies, like 30 bucks a pop, that's a lot of money coming towards them. But if we can watch all these movies, like 17, how many movies was it? Like all in one month with just signing up. For 17. 17 with just signing up to HBO Max. I mean, Disney's got to be shaking a little bit in their boots. Like, why should we pay you 30 bucks a pop and we can just sign up for HBO Max? competition it's true it's true no i i think that you're right i think that that when it comes to this this entire situation has made it possible for the 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 whole what if question right because everybody for years have asked what if we could watch brand new movies in the comfort of our home as opposed to going to a movie theater. And I think that people have been a bit enamored, I would say, with that idea. And here we are, uh, and, and it's it's kind of funky in the sense that it's happened out of necessity, which oftentimes a lot of these types of inventions and things actually get spawned out of necessity, And I think it's kind of weird because it's not as if life is normal right now and they just happen to kind of decide, hey, we're going to make this new avenue available for folks who want to be able to watch movies from home. You know, so so it is there is kind of a stain on it in a sense where we know for a fact that movie theater chains are suffering right now. We know for a fact that the only reason why this has been done is because the movie studios have also been su- been suffering. You know, like like they 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 need to be, have a return on their investment, and I think that's where I feel conflicted because if you were to ask me, do I like it or do I not like it? I do like it. I, I definitely like it. I think that especially when it comes to this particular deal, um, it, it's a it's a no brainer where I can watch all 17 of those Warner brother movies as they get released. Um, and, and as each one gets released, I have a month window to be able to, to watch it. And probably for as many times as I want, I do think that I'm a bit cautiously optimistic about it simply because I'd have no idea if they're going to start to, to add rules and regulations to this type of platform setup. And, and I know you you were talking a little bit about that, but right now it sounds like a good deal, like especially like if you're on it, like the, the AT&T U-verse uh, internet and you get to HBO Max for free. That's a, that's a, that's a terrific deal, right? You're going to be saving. Um, I mean, what is, what, what, what's 10 times 17? That's like, you know, $170. So like, you know, roughly, just in movie tickets alone, if, if I were to go see all 17 of those movies in the theater, I'd be spending probably around 170 bucks just in the tickets. That's not counting all the concession food 
And that, that, that's actually more expensive than the, the price of admission itself. So there is something to be said for that, but I could totally see the bean counters getting greedy and suddenly imposing certain restrictions like, oh, well, and actually, oh my goodness, this, this reminds me of that one, um, what was the name of that service? I, I was a member of the service where, where like you could have a card and you could go watch as many movies as you wanted to at the theater right. and you wouldn't get charged an extra amount. And for some reason it's, it's, uh, it has escaped my mind. But if you recall, it was an unsustainable system where they were hemorrhaging cash because you had people who were going and watching the same movie like 10 times. And so they ended up, you know, slowly but surely adding more and more restrictions to the point where then the the novelty was completely snuffed out and people were very irritated with like, okay, we can, if you want to watch this movie, you can only watch it from this time to this time and you can only watch it on this day to this day. And oh, by the way, if it's this movie, that's a tentpole movie, we're going to add a premium price to that movie because we expect that to be in high demand. You know, like all of the little like nitpicky red tape type of stuff really chipped away at the excitement and the um, the interest level of that type of, of, of situation to the point where people started canceling their membership. They, they were just like, well, I, I think it's a lot easier just to go to the movie when I want to and just pay the, the price and do whatever. So that, that, that part of it remains to be seen when it comes to this. And I think Disney is also in that, same situation where right now, like for instance, I'm a Disney plus subscriber. I get to enjoy as the, as a result of being an early adopter, I think I only get charged like $3 a month. It's like three or four bucks a month. It's really low price for all of the content that they have made available. If they follow suit with releasing their movie titles onto the Disney plus platform, um, I, you know, it's interesting because I don't know how I would feel if they were to introduce a premium price into the mix, because I understand that like the, the, the library that I'm paying for right now is considerable. And so it's a good price to be able to access all of that stuff. But the platform itself was not advertised as a place to be able to watch brand new theatrical films. So if they were to come out and say, well, if you want to watch this, then we would put, you know, tack on some sort of like movie going price. Like, like, you know, if there was like a one-time fee of like, you know, you want to watch this movie, it costs you like seven bucks. And then you can, from, from that moment on, you can just watch that during like the time frame of that theatrical film being released. Like, I think that I would be okay with that. That's something that I would be able to stomach. But again, it's a very slippery slope because you have the bean counters that are really trying to squeeze as much money as they can out of their customers. So it's, it's, it's hard to definitively state, yes, I think I'd be fine with that or no, I'm not okay with that or whatever, simply because I think we're kind of in the wild west as it applies to this. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're gonna have bean counters either way. I mean, I think the bean counters and the in th- the theater, for example, are the ones with the concession stand where you can get a box of milk duds for like two or three bucks at your at the gas station, and then you can pay eight bucks 
at the movie theater because they're like, they're, well, we're going to make up our money somehow. So we're going to try and squeeze you for as much money as we can for the soda and the candy and the popcorn and like popcorn, like all that is like cheap stuff when you buy it outside the theater. And so, I mean, you- right. But that's more of the brick and mortar location stuff. What about like, like what are your thoughts on the idea of the, the actual um, movie studios themselves? Like Disney, for instance, like if Disney were to come out and say like, here, I'll give you some scenarios. Disney plus announces they are going to do what Warner brothers did. And they're going to release their whole roster on Disney plus with no additional fees. You like, basically if you're a subscriber, you just continue paying the same price per month. Would you be happy with that? I would. Now, if Disney plus were to come out um, in a different scenario and say, Hey, we know that you um, are a monthly subscriber. You can continue paying that same fee. You still have access to all the stuff that we have on the platform. However, we're going to be releasing our roster of movies. And for, you know, each movie, like, like what, like if there's a particular movie you want to watch, it's going to cost you like a one-time fee of like $7. Would you be okay with that? Yeah, I would. If Disney plus were to come out and say, we have this whole roster of movies. If you want to be able to watch them on demand as many times as you like, uh, and we have um, a an upgrade price that basically will upgrade and 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 raise the price of your monthly fee. So, like instead of paying like five bucks a month, you will now pay ten bucks a month. Would you be okay with that? No. What if they had something of that where like they added in, you could cancel that portion of it at any time and return it back to your, um, your original monthly price. I mean, yeah, maybe, but I mean, I, I feel that if I'm already paying for a premium service to have access to all these movies, premiums on top of premiums, you have to be careful with. Uh, and so if I'm paying for, Disney plus and I've watched everything I want to watch on Disney plus and there's nothing new yet. I'm still paying the monthly fee and then you're going to charge me additional money. That money has a cap of what I'm going to be willing to pay versus I'll just wait for it to come out on my, my regular subscription and then I'll just watch it whenever I want to at that point. I think as soon as you get into the double digits of that, then I, I think you're going to, your people are going to, are, are going to shy away. Like I wanted to see Mulan, for example, uh, in the theater and didn't get it. Now I'm not going to pay 30 bucks a pop to go see it in my, in the theater. I wasn't that hot on the movie. And I mean, yeah, I paid for it this time, but I mean, I was kind of, I I definitely was irked. I mean, I paid for it basically because I wanted to see a, a brand new movie and I hadn't been spending all this extra dough in the theater for all these other movie tickets. So I had a little extra dough to spend the 30 bucks, but that doesn't mean that should be the normal. I don't want to even want to spend an extra 20 bucks on top of a premium. I don't want to spend an extra, like let's just seven, maybe up to nine. I don't even think, I think that's even too much, but if you said seven, okay, seven bucks for that month for, you know, watching, um, watching a, a new movie that's, that's coming out that I'm not gonna have to spend extra tickets for like a, a member of my family or a friend or whoever to watch it, then I'm okay with that. But because I'm already, you're already taking my money for the time that I'm not utilizing your service throughout the year. 
I mean, I, me particularly, right. I've really watched all the, the the Disney Marvel movies that I wanted to watch. So I'm, I'm not really interested in watching Disney Plus anymore. So let's say I did that in July, but I haven't watched anything Disney since July. Well, you've already charged me for all the months from July to now. So you, you've taken that money from me and I haven't utilized a single bit of your service. So I wouldn't want to pay it. Well, I, th- I think it... Go ahead. I think it's it's kind of a psychological thing, right? Where like the base price for like Disney Plus, for instance, is based on the fact that they have basically this huge vault of content that you can access at any time and you can watch as many times as you want. It's up to you when you watch it and how many times you want to watch it. If you don't want to watch it, that's your prerogative. You can do so. But the idea is that it's been designed in such a way where you pay this low monthly fee and you have access to all this stuff. And when I look at, like, if they were to actually go full throttle on this and actually release their roster of movies every year on Disney Plus, in addition to the movie theaters, I think it would be, in my in my opinion, I would be fine with like like if they were to have some sort of price upgrade where instead of me paying like three bucks or four bucks a month for Disney Plus, if I end up paying like eight dollars or ten dollars a month, and as a result every movie that comes out is available for one month windows and I can watch it as many times as I want. I think that's actually pretty fair just considering the alternative, which if I go to the movie theater, I'm paying between, you know, depending on which theater I'm at eight to $12 per time I'm going to see that movie. So I think it is a, a still a pretty swell deal when it comes to that. But I do understand how I think that's at this point pretty subjective because just because I think it is doesn't mean the person next to me does. And I think that um, if it were to get to that point, the bean counters are just going to have to do a bunch of testing and figure out like what, what will make the community ultimately support this platform. But um, just to, to end things on this particular episode, I do think um I, my, my hope is, is that the movie theater brick and mortar locations do not go the way of the dinosaur. I, I think there is something very special about the movie going experience. And I, for one, want to see them thrive. I want to see there be some sort of happy medium that perhaps allows for both platforms to coexist together. And I guess it just kind of remains to be seen. This this is by no means the, the end of theaters, but especially when you consider that both Disney and Warner Brothers now have an alternative, that is going to, to impact the movie theater experience. And it'll be interesting to see what the other movie studios do um, to, to answer the call because they are also hurting financially. They've got to find a way to survive. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you all next week.